All right. Well, David, this is the perfect time to talk about one of our favorite companies, Statsig. Yes. When we had VJ on ACQ2 earlier this year, they were already a pretty impressive kind of Series B stage startup with a killer team and early product market fit. But what's happened since and the scale that they're operating at now is pretty wild. This is where we get lucky in being very choosy with our sponsors. Sometimes these things happen to them while we're mid-flight. Yes. So I asked them for some fun stats. In the past month, Statsig shipped actual live product experiments to over 1.2 billion end users. Now, that stat is not deduplicated across apps, so there's some overlap. But I mean, even if you cut that in half to approximate actual flesh and blood human people out there, that's almost 10% of the world's population. Crazy. Okay, so that's one. Two, Statsig now processes about 130 billion events per day. So the infrastructure that Statsig now has to support these data volumes is pretty wild. And it's not like they just execute these events. They then take all the data from them, run huge statistical jobs across the whole corpus to compute the experiment results that their customers are running. It is just wild. It's funny, I hadn't thought to make this comparison until right now. So you said 1.7 million events a second. If you look at the visa numbers, I just pulled up my visa notes, Visa does 8,600 transactions per second. So that's, what, 200 times as much throughput at Statsig than at Visa? On the customer side, Statsig added arguably almost all of the most important AI companies in the world this year, including Microsoft, Atlassian, Anthropic, along, of course, with regular old companies like Notion and UiPath and Lattice and Brex and friends of the show Rec Room. The team also kept shipping super fast. At the start of the year, they had just one core product. Today, they're a full-fledged product understanding platform. They have dedicated feature flagging, warehouse native experimentation, and product analytics. Yep. So if your team wants the best platform in the world for making data-driven product decisions, you should reach out. Statsig.com slash acquired. And as always, there is special white glove onboarding for all acquired listeners. Our huge thanks to Statsig. Who got the truth? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Who got the truth now? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Sit me down. Say it straight. Another story on the way. Who got the truth? Welcome back to episode two of Acquired. I'm Ben Gilbert. I'm David Rosenthal. And we are your hosts yet again, at least for the second time and hopefully many, many more. <laughs> hopefully many more. Thank you to all of our listeners, all few of you for the <laughs> amazing few but growing, small in number, strong in spirit. True. Um, thank you for the amazing feedback. It was incredible. We learned a lot. We learned that Ben has amazing idioms. Amazing idioms. David has dulcet tones. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for the feedback. We will try to incorporate it and uh, hope that we keep getting better. If uh, you have more feedback after this one, please send it to us. You can find us on, you can find the show on Twitter at, at Acquired FM. You can find Ben at Gilbert. You can find me, David, at DJ Rosent, D-J-R-O-S-E-N-T, um, and our website is live at acquired.fm. So, uh, should we introduce ourselves again? What do you think for the first couple so people 
so you know more than our our original five listeners get uh, the lowdown. I think we can do it this just this once. Then once we're viral after episode three, then we can stop introducing ourselves. Yeah, sounds great. So I'm Ben Gilbert. I um, am the co-founder of Pioneer Square Labs in here in Seattle. We um, come up with ideas for companies. We prototype them, we build them, um, we try and get customers, and if it seems to be working, then we recruit really talented people to uh, come in and and take the company from us, and we go start the next thing. And I'm David. I am a principal at Madrona Venture Group. We are an early-stage venture capital firm located here in Seattle. Uh, Invest in seed, Series A, Series B stage technology companies. Always looking for the next great thing, which might become the next great acquirer or maybe acquiree, hence our podcast. <laughs> All right. So with that, let's segue into um, our second episode. Our first was uh, Disney acquiring Pixar. And here for our second, um, as another landmark, successful, you know, even in, even in the very recent last couple of years, this one's not nearly as old, um, landmark successful acquisition, Instagram by Facebook. Facebook buying Instagram. So as a quick reminder, the framework that we've decided on for our show is we're going to briefly talk about the acquisition kind of facts and history. Uh, then each of us, Ben and I, are going to categorize the acquisition into um, a few buckets that we've identified. Um, and then we're going to do a fun segment called uh, What Would Have Happened Had the Acquisition Not Happened? Trust us, it's fun. Uh, and, and then we're adding a new one for this episode, uh, which is, is tech themes that we think are illustrated, uh, in, by this acquisition. And then, and then finally, we're going to give the, the, the deal as a whole a grade. Um, and we, we heard the feedback that Ben and I agree too much. So we're going to try and be more controversial here. I'm not though. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) All right. Instagram. So, um, I remember vividly, this was one of those moments um, in my technology life, at least, exactly where I was the day I found out that Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars. And today, sitting here in 2015, where there are like 623 unicorn startups out there that are valued at, you know, more than a billion dollars, back in April 2012... There were very, very few. Um, and the, the even idea that a company that had 13 employees and no revenue and made an app on your phone could be worth a billion dollars was pretty shocking at the time. And totally shocking because there was no, you know, um, discussion of it being worth a billion dollars pre-acquisition. The only indicator that, that, it, that that number was ever talked about was when the deal was done and announced to the public. Yep. And, and, um, interestingly, uh, Instagram raised its, I believe, Series B, uh, round of venture capital, uh, just like a week or even less than a week before the acquisition happened, um, and did value it at several, several hundred million dollars. Um, but all that only came out, uh, just right before or even during and after the acquisition news, which was, um, pretty momentous really ushered in Ben and I've been talking about this for this, this acquisition for months. It was part of the Genesis of the idea of this show, this acquisition, I think really ushered in, you know, quote unquote, the age of the unicorn. Yeah. As much as I hate the term, it uh, sure does see that way, seem that way. So 
Quick facts. April 2012, Facebook announces that they are buying Instagram company um, with 13 employees, no revenue, uh, no obvious monetization model, um, and had 30 million users at the time. Uh, and interestingly, um, yeah, just a week before, uh, Instagram had launched their Android app and added 1 million users at that time. Um, with 13 employees and 30 million users, uh, Instagram had 2.3 million users per employee at acquisition. Pop quiz. How many users per employee do you think Instagram has today? Well, they've hired a whole bunch of people, right? They have. uh, They have. I think what we were talking about earlier, they have like 150 employees now. They have about 150 employees, as best as we can tell. Uh, I don't know. That that number's got to be significantly worse now. It's better. 2.6 million users per employee. Instagram now has, (laughs) two and a half years later, 400 million users. Wow. Huh, okay. So... I don't know. I feel like I'm already hinting at my, my answer to the question later of my rendered conclusion. But, you know, we, this is our second episode. We're still getting to the easy ones here. Um, pretty incredible, honestly. I think the, the thing that always amazed me about Instagram was it's so simple. They focus their eyes on the prize. And the question is, like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later. But what would have happened to that incredible, simple, sheltered platform if it wasn't integrated into the Facebook strategy and they were forced mm-hmm. to start clawing and scratching for, for more of that attention that, um, that keeps people tied to Facebook. Cause I think the interesting thing that Facebook realized is they're the, they're the social fabric. They're necessary. And it was getting to the point, you know, everyone's parents were on Facebook. It, it became more of a utility in our lives than, than sort of an escape or an enjoyable thing. And, um, Actually, a quick aside, it's, it's crazy. I was scrolling back through my, um, my history of writing on a friend's wall. And this is freshman year of college. And our conversation back and forth on our, each other's like public Facebook walls look like text messages. And they're, they're talking about what grades we got in classes and like sort of private stuff that I wouldn't be mm-hmm. posting today. It's really fascinating that, um, you know, Facebook was, was very much that that sort of fun place at that point and not yep. this this thing that we viewed as kind of necessary and um, uh, uh, a thing that it could be assumed that pretty much every person would have. And, you know, you see there's a lot of reports of, hey, kids aren't using Facebook. They're just using Instagram. They're just using Snapchat. They're all using Facebook too, but it's for schoolwork. I mean, it's for the, the necessary, less fun things in their lives. And, you know, starting with, with Instagram and with other acquisitions later, I mean, Instagram is, is sort of where you want to hang out and Facebook is where you have to go. Yep. And, um, you know, Facebook, it's so easy to forget now sitting here in 2015 and maybe we'll, maybe if, if we're, we're looking for something funny in 2018, we'll, we'll go back and listen to our podcast that we're recording now. But, but it's even so hard to remember. Like this was only three and a half years ago when this acquisition happened and Facebook was in such a different place from where it is today. The company had just recently gone public. Um, I, we, Ben and I were just talking about this right before the episode. They were still in the whole HTML5 mobile app hell. Um, their apps were buggy. God, can you remember when that was even a debate? Oh, 
<laughs> nightmare. And right in like, you know, now, like what is like half of Facebook's revenue, if not more, we haven't. We should make a note too that we haven't fact checked <laughs> most of our numbers, so we could be wrong here. But at least uh, <laughs> it seems like everything that people talk about with Facebook is their mobile app installs and their CPI ads. Like, couldn't even do that with HTML5. Like, remember back, you know, you know, people talk about now, um, you know, and I, and I think you know Mark Zuckerberg has even said, you know, that um, Facebook really made a huge misstep in mobile um, and and. Apps like Instagram, like WhatsApp that they would later acquire, like Messenger that they would build within Facebook in the coming years, um, really stepped in and uh, became took over a lot of the value that people were getting out of Facebook from back in the day, the fun. And it's amazing because Facebook, you know, really, really killed it on the desktop. There's a lot of different boxes everywhere. If you remember, there was the mini feed, and then there was the wall, and then there was apps yep. that you could have installed. And super poke. Each one, oh, super poke. God, do I miss super poke. It, there, there's these boxes that are sort of floating around all over the place, maximizing your screen real estate. And when they try to translate that to a mobile experience, you know, it's, it's tough to pare down all that stuff when your app has all this incredible functionality. Whereas you have Instagram, which is born in the mobile era, and uh, I can have a funny story about this. It's born in the mobile era and has these immersive, beautiful, damn near full screen photographs. And all of my attention is on that one thing at one time. And it was focused on making anybody able to look like a talented creative, even if we weren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I specifically remember one of my early Instagrams was of like the torn up bottom of my jeans and my shoe. And it looks so artsy with a filter. And I couldn't, I, it, it was a place where you could show off. That's so in, emo. In full screen. <laughs> And and really like, um, you know, what they what they did was understand what people's attention span and what people's intention looked like when they were on that platform. And I remember this is not a thing that I came close to understanding at the time because I um, I remember I used to work at a dog patch labs uh, at uh, Pier Thirty Eight. Uh, may it rest in peace has recently been demolished when in, you're interning at Cotuit. at Cotuit, yeah in san francisco and um, it's self an acquisition yeah yeah an acquisition and then another acquisition yeah everything gets everything becomes salesforce eventually <laughs> in the enterprise <laughs> yeah anyway so i'm at pure 38 and um uh the the guys from bourbon later instagram are upstairs working on a pivot from their kind of location-based thing to this very simple filter focused upload your photos to a social network app. And I remember seeing a demo of it when I walked by one time and, and telling Kevin, um, I'm pretty sure Facebook already lets you upload photos from your phone <laughs> and everybody's already on that. <laughs> and that Ben is why you're not a venture capitalist. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave that to David. <laughs> um, but no, I think, you know, Ben, what you're saying I think really illustrates, you know, we're, we're going to talk about themes, you know, as, as part of our programming in a minute, but I think this really illustrates something critical about, uh, why Facebook needed Instagram. And that was engagement, you know, Facebook before mobile remember, you know, back when it first launched, when I was in college, uh, and you were probably in high school when it first launched, right? Yep. Um, you know, how much engagement did you have with Facebook? It was, you know, it's related to this concept of fun, right? And now Facebook has become this utility and I barely engage with it at all. Um, but Instagram and messaging, WhatsApp, uh, and, and other, uh, services like that have become on mobile these 
atomized services where your engagement lies. And, and that's the core of driving advertising revenue. And, and Facebook has always been, um, really good at this strategy where social networking is a, a, a cool kids game. I mean, there's the cool kids go to a thing and then the late adopters come on and then the parents come on and then it's boring and then it's built for the old world platform and then it atrophies and it dies. And what Facebook did when in acquiring Instagram is, is, you know, set their hubris aside and say, we're not the most important platform. The most important thing is our business staying alive. And what we have to do is bet on whatever the thing where the people are on the new platform is. And, you know, after they, after that critical first step, then they can start learning about what makes that so successful and, and kind of integrate all of those really talented um, folks to kind of like teach Facebook how to do that too. So that brings us to section number two of our show. What category would you put this acquisition in? People, technology, product, business line, other? It's funny. I was just talking about people, but that's um, that's totally second order here. I'm going to say this is product. Um, the, the Facebook left it alone. I mean, Facebook did the thing that every other acquirer can't seem to resist in any scenario, and that is saying, oh, you know what this could do? This could make our, our main product better. And the reason that that product was was dangerous to you and potentially kicking your ass was because they figured something out you didn't. And it's been really incredible to watch Instagram have its own evolution. And you know, albeit with some little boosts and um, um, from from you know the Facebook uh, newsfeed and and things like that, doing some algorithmic priority. But it's it's really remained separate, a separate team, and stayed very true to the core of what they set out to do. I think everything you said is right. Um, and totally the natural category to put this in is products, but I'm going to be a little bit controversial. I'm actually going to say technology here. Um, and the reason I'm going to say technology is not because of any, um, specific, uh, great computer science based innovation that the Instagram team had. Um, but I'm going to say that this became, as I was talking about really the first, um, the first piece of, of Facebook's entire strategy for the mobile technology wave um, that they missed, that they missed uh, from from the beginning. And, um, Wait, and David, you, you think that they, sorry, this is, you think that they wouldn't have gotten their act together in making their app what it is today without, I mean, let, let's, let's look at what their app is today. It's a collection of the most talented iOS developers in the world and a lot of the best mobile designers in the world packed into one office developing maybe arguably the best suite of apps in the world. You just said the critical thing. Sweet. Suite of uh, apps. What I, is I Facebook mean, today? I mean, Facebook, Facebook is a suite of apps and... company. I'm not going to disagree with you there. I think without Instagram, without... Um, and it's impossible to know how much of this is... Uh, Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg and the rest of the Facebook team, core Facebook team strategy versus what's come from, from Kevin and Mike, uh, and the rest of the Instagram team. But I think without that acquisition happening, I think Facebook, um, probably doesn't or make an offer for Snapchat somewhat, uh, a few months or a short time after to buy Snapchat for 3 billion, um, that Snapchat rejected. Um, I think Facebook doesn't buy WhatsApp for the incredible amount of money that it did. Um, 
and maybe, you know, maybe even Oculus to a certain extent. Um, but, but even more than that, you know, again, think back to April 2012 when Facebook on mobile is this HTML5 mess. Um, and think about Messenger now to go from that HTML5 mess to the Facebook core Facebook app today, which drives a huge amount of revenue for through their paid install program, ad program, and then to develop messenger on the side and then have the guts to rip it out and make it part of this suite of app strategy. You know, face uh, messenger, I believe the latest numbers has 700 million, um, uh, active users, uh, which, um, is, is pretty incredible for something that, um, is now a fully standalone app. Yeah, so I'll go with you on on the technology of Instagram being a kick in the pants. But I don't think, you know, we talk about like what a technology acquisition that is truly about, you know, um, they, you know, they understood how to do this computationally difficult thing better than we did. And we needed it to enhance our core product or, you know, Apple acquiring the Touch ID company because they could make a differentiated product based on integrating that technology. I think that's a far second order thing here to acquiring the product of Instagram. You might be right. Um, you'll, you'll get me later. I'll get you later. We want to thank our longtime friend of the show, Vanta, the leading trust management platform. Vanta, of course, automates your security reviews and compliance efforts. So frameworks like SOC 2, ISO 27001, GDPR, and HIPAA compliance and monitoring Vanta takes care of these otherwise incredibly time and resource draining efforts for your organization and makes them fast and simple. Yep, Vanta is the perfect example of the quote that we talk about all the time here on Acquired. Jeff Bezos, his idea that a company should only focus on what actually makes your beer taste better, i.e. spend your time and resources only on what's actually going to move the needle for your product and your customers and outsource everything else that doesn't. Every company needs compliance and trust with their vendors and customers. It plays a major role in enabling revenue because customers and partners demand it, but yet it adds zero flavor to your actual product. Vanta takes care of all of it for you. No more spreadsheets, no fragmented tools, no manual reviews to cobble together your security and compliance requirements. It is one single software pane of glass that connects to all of your services via APIs and eliminates countless hours of work for your organization. There are now AI capabilities to make this even more powerful, and they even integrate with over 300 external tools. Plus, they let customers build private integrations with their internal systems. And perhaps most importantly, your security reviews are now real-time instead of static, so you can monitor and share with your customers and partners to give them added confidence. So whether you're a startup or a large enterprise and your company is ready to automate compliance and streamline security reviews like Vanta's 7,000 customers around the globe, and go back to making your beer taste better, head on over to vanta.com slash acquired and just tell them that Ben and David sent you. And thanks to friend of the show, Christina, Vanta's CEO, all acquired listeners get $1,000 of free credit. Vanta.com slash acquired. All right. What would have happened <laughs> if Kevin Systrom had said no? Yeah. Facebook, Instagram had just raised $50 million. They had plenty of runway bright future ahead of them where would we be today yeah you know i think instagram as a product to users wouldn't be significantly different 
I think that it would have continued to grow more slowly because they didn't have the resources. They wouldn't have had the prioritization from, and you know, this is, this is theoretical. This is something we talked about before. D- did, you know, Facebook really prioritize Instagram posts in the newsfeed algorithm? Probably. I mean, it sure looked like it. It looked like we had a huge spike in that and there was probably a lot more Instagram traffic. On the other hand, one of the things I'm still bummed about today is Twitter, a loyal Twitter user. <sighs> Oh man, how great was it when Instagram was natively integrated into the Twitter stream? Yeah, that was pretty cool. And that was that was a that was a sad sad day when that integration broke. Totally um, sad. And actually it changed my behavior. Like I I don't tweet photos on like I don't put a photo on Instagram and then tweet it because I know it's not going to show up. I natively upload it to Twitter now. Yep. It's a, and how often do you do that? Pretty uh, every third fourth tweet that's maybe what, yeah. yeah maybe but 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 i'll say i was gonna say oh these things negate each other twitter's at 300 million users and churning out everyone they can bring in turned out a billion plus so far and facebook's sitting pretty with you know a decent chunk of the world's internet enabled population yep. so i think anything facebook does is you know a three four x maybe five x um force multiplier on top of anything twitter could do no doubt However, I do think, um, you know, Instagram has become itself, uh, a huge driver of audience and yeah, four, 400 million active, 400 users. million active users added a hundred million this year. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think they, you know, I think you can make an argument that they could have continued bootstrapping their way up into that user base through other platforms like Twitter, um, and using Facebook as well. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's how I think it would be different. I think. You know, in the last six months, especially Twitter has a, or I'm sorry, uh, Instagram has a very real ad platform. Um, and the, they, they took their time in developing it first, a very full serve one where you to work directly with the Instagram team, now a self-serve dashboard, but you get these really immersive brand ads that are platform appropriate. They don't feel like something that I want to scroll past. I want to look at it almost as much as I want to look at the gorgeous nature of photography that I see. They just didn't have the the funnel of advertisers to to point the ad platform at. So it would have been very slow to try and get advertiser attention and people to come over and use the Instagram platform and and not only to spend their dollars there, but to spend their attention there learning a new platform. Whereas in the Facebook acquisition, they have this kind of dual um, dual deployment where you can buy ads on either from a single ad dashboard, much like Google did very early on with YouTube. Yep. Um. So I'm going to go in a, a little bit kind of out there crazy direction with this. And this is pure speculation. <laughs> but I think if this acquisition hadn't happened, you know, I mean, like we were, like I was talking about earlier, this kicked off the era of the constellation of apps, you know, with Facebook mm, yeah. and with, you know, Twitter buying Vine. Um, and gosh, even Instagram itself now between um, Boomerang that they just launched and Hyperlapse. And uh, uh, Layout. Yep. Um, Which kudos to the Instagram design team. The the um, cohesiveness of those is really nice. So let's imagine, though, for a second that this constellation of apps thing um, hasn't become a, a theme in, in, in the technology landscape over the past couple of years. <clears throat> what's, what's really interesting, well, what's really interesting because it has, you now have all of these major social platforms that have been created over the past five years, with the exception of Snapchat, um, all of the U.S. new um, domestic 
uh, US uh, based social platforms are owned by other companies with other business models and other goals. And, and if you think about the level of business model innovation that's happened at this mobile app layer in the US and compare it to Asia and WhatsApp, um, now it's a pretty bold claim to say the acquisition of Instagram prevented the rise of WhatsApp like business models in the US. Um, but let's just, you know, play this out for a minute. Um, or sorry, not what's a WeChat. Um, oh, okay, is, yeah. is what I did, uh, apologies. So, uh, uh, I meant WeChat. Yeah, as, as a quick aside for listeners, um, if you haven't been reading up on WeChat, it is insane. I mean, it, Absolutely it, insane. It, it's on the surface a messaging app, but it's effectively like an operating system where it's much easier for especially non-technical folks to, to build a plug-in for their business to WeChat that enables all sorts of things from booking doctor's appointments to picking your kids up at school, all within this theoretical WeChat is, in, in my opinion, WeChat is nothing short of literally the creation of an entirely new major, major business model for technology companies. And, and that is the value added services, uh, and, and integrations business model. Um, before WeChat, and this is, I mean, it's amazing. This product is given away for free, not monetized through advertising and still in China, which is a brutally competitive market where it is very hard to monetize users, this product has, I, I believe the latest estimates are like a $7 ARPU uh, annual revenue per user in China. Just more, I think more than Twitter and rivaling Facebook. And those are ad platforms. Exactly. Um, and that is pretty incredible. And what, and so what, so what I think is amazing is um, because in the U.S. you've had these new innovative mobile products be acquired by larger companies with older established business models, you haven't seen the, that happen in the U.S. as much. Now, there are lots of other factors. You know, like in China, there was no, um, you know, mobile was really the first computing platform to be widely adopted across the whole population. There was no legacy desktop um, uh, product and technology layer like there was in the U.S. That certainly had a lot to do with it, too. Um, but imagine, you know, what type of business model innovation we might have seen had Instagram remained independent. Mm. I don't know. Mm. And certainly Snapchat is playing with it too. In terms of uh, constellation of apps? In or, terms of business models. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, their, their channels thing will be really interesting to watch play out. All right. Uh, new, new. Uh, we'll, we'll move quickly here, but... Um, uh, new, uh, segment for the show for episode two. Um, oh, we we've little, already talked about little this. theme music for new, yeah, new, I know. new segment, new segment. Um, <laughs> what, uh, we've talked about this a bunch already, but, uh, you know, for, for you, Ben, um, what kind of broad themes in technology does the Facebook Instagram acquisition kind of represent for you? Yeah, so I was thinking about this when um, when you sent me earlier your idea to do the new segment, and I was trying to think. You know, I think you did a really nice job in the last segment, kind of bringing in the app the app constellation theme. I think the other theme that this sort of opens up is that you really have to own the audience, and that that sounds trivial and, and obvious at first, but I think what I mean by that is. In any distribution channel, you have suppliers, you have a distribution, and then you have the audience. And 
with the rise of these services, it's becoming increasingly more important to own the default channel that the users go to for leisure, for distraction, for whatever it is, because in, in the, you know, near infinite nature of the internet, you can push whatever you want through that channel to reach that audience. And I think Facebook's core asset was, and, and still sort of is being that core place where people want to go and want to, um, the, you know, the first thing you want to do when you open your phone, when you have some downtime or whatever it is, you go there to be distracted. You go there for fun. You go there to see your friends, to see whatever you aspire to. Um, and that owning the channel makes you the most powerful advertising platform in the world. And on top of that makes you the most powerful, a lot of other things in the world. I mean, we're, we're seeing it now with uh, Facebook instant articles and other experiments that mm-hmm. we're playing with, but you can, you are a very, very powerful force in your business model and to other people's business models. If you are the first step in dishing out who gets the attention after you. And I think Facebook saw that as an incredible dangerous threat of people want to look at Instagram instead of us. And then they can start shoving whatever they want in that feed, yep. even though that's kind of Instagram's model is to not clutter it up. They've managed to do a really nice job of taking that attention that they're getting as the front door of what you want to go look at and, and putting that where, uh, where advertisers are appropriately, um, putting their, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, I think this is one of the reasons why, um, technology, uh, companies with advertising business models have become so much larger, um, in, in terms of, of size and reach and revenue and value than, um, old world advertising models. You know, I started my career, um, steeped in old world, uh, media and advertising. You know, I worked in, in, in media technology and media investment banking. And then I worked at, at a newspaper at the wall street journal. And, um, um, but, but I worked with in, when I was in banking, I worked on, uh, television and, uh, cable networks a lot. And, and, and their content and distribution were separate. You know, the distribution companies were the cable companies and the satellite companies, and they owned the distribution pipe and the content companies were the cable networks, the AMCs, the, scripts, you know, the, all the channels that you see on cable TV. And those were two separate things. Um, and they both, uh, had their own advertising, um, kind of, they, they shared the advertising pie, those two, those two, um, uh, stages of the value chain. Um, and, 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 and although television advertising was, um, and perhaps still might be larger than web digital based advertising as a whole, no one company, um, could become as big as a, as a Google or as a Facebook has, um, because Google and Facebook have, or at least Facebook has integrated and, and through Instagram integrated content and distribution yeah. within one single company, within one single app or constellation of apps. Yeah. They are the channel. I mean, Facebook is the channel for where you go when you want social or downtime or, you know, the variety of other services that Facebook offers events and messaging and all that. Yep. And Google is, is where you go when you have intent. Yep. Um, so for me, um, I, I think, you know, we've, we've talked about a few things throughout the episode. Uh, you know, we mentioned briefly technology waves, which is something that Ben and I talk a lot about, um, this yeah, we concept. Should, we should just do a whole episode. We should do, we should do a, a, a special, special episode yeah. on, on, on waves. But, um, but you know, the concept that in the tech world, there are these waves of technology that come every few years. Um, and, and I think, 
this is a perfect illustration of the wave of mobile coming in and washing over the desktop wave, um, but bringing with it a whole new, um, a, a whole new set of, of companies, of content and product models, of business models um, that may or may not have been uh, uh, implemented in the you know, at least domestically. Um, but that's one, and then and then the other one that you know I think is something I've been thinking about a lot lately in terms of technology themes. Um, I think is the the scalability and the leverage that technology gives you. And I'm thinking in particular about the number of employees at Instagram. I mean, this is just incredible. 13 employees with 30 million users. Oh, oh, and on those 13 employees, we were looking on LinkedIn too. I think 11 are still at Instagram. Yeah, something crazy like that. Um, you know, which is not typical for no, it's, technology. That's yet, yet another example of Facebook doing an acquisition. Doing right? a great job here. Um, but 13 employees at this landmark acquisition. And today, even at, you know, roughly 150 for 400 million users. Um, and it's impossible to know how much revenue Instagram is generating today. But um, there was a great uh, equity research report put out by Citigroup a year ago, almost a year ago. Um, in which they valued Instagram at $35 billion. Uh, and this was when Instagram had not quite 300 million users. And, and what's Facebook's market cap? Uh, I don't know offhand. I want to say it's right around $200 billion. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what a ridiculous chunk, right? Acquired yeah. for a billion dollars. And it was and less now. back then. Right, right. Um, and, uh, and, and, and in that report, they estimate that uh, Instagram revenues are, are could be on the order of about $2 billion. Um, I mean, that's and, incredible. And this year, right? Is it 20, I think it was maybe summer 2015 to 2016 or something yep, like that. Yep. This, this year, they estimate last year, Citigroup estimated 2 billion in revenue for Instagram this year in 2015. Um, to do that with 150 employees is incredible. And then, and then WhatsApp, which, you know, came later, something like 50 some odd employees yeah, you know, acquired I mean, for 20 plus billion dollars. I, I would, I, I'll, I'll raise the, the flag here and say not really fair to do the, the revenue calculation for um, the ad network <laughs> since they're piggybacking off of Facebook's ad network. And I'm sure that takes a lot of engineers. True, true. Um, but I think about the leverage that is possible with technology and technology companies um, versus, again, old world media where, where, uh, I, I spent time earlier in my career. I mean, nowhere near that kind of leverage that you can get. Um, all right, let's wrap up. Conclusion time. Conclusion time. So, acquired for a billion dollars, um, December of last year. You know, externally valued at thirty-five billion. Um, even ignoring the the fact that that that's based on you know there's to. $2 billion in revenues this year. This is like not um, grasping at straws. They, they, this is a very real revenue product. And in fact, when it was acquired, I don't think it had revenue. They had no ad platform. They had nope. no... Nothing. Pretty incredible what they've done since acquired. 35x multiple post-acquisition on that property alone. Not to mention all the ancillary benefits of, of potentially steering Facebook as a whole organization in the right direction on mobile. I mean, do I get a plus? It's an A plus. I was, uh, I know we need more disagreement on this show, <laughs> but man, A plus for me too. This might, this might even be the very, from a, from, from a, a multiple return standpoint, um, even just straight financial returns, this might be the very best acquisition 
in technology yeah. history. I'm, I'm curious. Is there ever, what is, how small of a scale do you have to go down to, to get something that was a 35 X multiple in three, is it three years? I mean, Bungie perhaps foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be an interesting episode, by the way, listeners. Um, if you have requests, suggestions, comments, thoughts, uh, as we said, yeah, but, if, uh, if you can think of companies we haven't, that we haven't, please send our way. Um, we'd also love to have some guests on this and, show. And by send it our way, there's Twitter. There's also a little feedback form on our site where you can submit stuff. We'd also love to have guests. Uh, if you have uh, particular insight into a, uh, a great technology acquisition in history um, that either, you know, you were part of it directly uh, or you worked on it as part of a third party and you want to be on our show, shoot us a note. Cool. About All done right. here? I think we're about done. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Who got the truth? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Who got the truth now? This is a great time to tell you about one of our very favorite companies, Crusoe. So Crusoe, as listeners know by now, is a clean compute cloud provider specifically built for AI workloads. NVIDIA is one of their major partners, and literally Crusoe's data centers are nothing but racks and racks of A100s and H100s. And because Crusoe's cloud is purpose-built for AI and run on wasted, stranded, or clean energy, they can provide significantly better performance per dollar than traditional cloud providers. Yes, we talked about that on our ACQ2 episode with Crusoe CEO Chase Lockmiller. The other element that makes Crusoe special is the environmental angle. Crusoe, of course, locates their data centers at stranded energy sites. So think oil flares, wind farms that can't use all the energy they generate, etc., and uses that power that would otherwise be wasted to run your AI workloads instead. Yep. Obviously, it's a huge benefit for the environment and for customers on costs since Crusoe doesn't rely on the energy grid. Energy is the second largest cost of running AI after, of course, the price you pay NVIDIA for the chips. And these lower energy costs get passed on to customers. It's super cool that they can put their data centers out there in these remote locations where, quote unquote, energy happens, as opposed to the other hyperscalers such as AWS and Google and Azure, who need to build their data centers close to major traffic hubs where the internet happens because they are doing everything in their clouds. Yep. If you, your company, or your portfolio companies would like to use the lower cost and more performant infrastructure for your AI workloads, go to crusocloud.com slash acquired, that's C-R-U-S-O-E cloud.com slash acquired, or click the link in the show notes. 